Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Hardly Millennial Podcast, where we are young, dumb, and full of opinions, folks. Opinions, especially today, guys. So, <laughs> so, oh well. Before we go, you know, we'll just let you know I'm Adam, and across from me is Matthew. You know, Hi. The same two that've been visiting you for the past ten days. We're in double digits now. Double digits, guys. That's exciting. That is exciting. We've made 10 of these things? We have made 10 of these things. Well, this will be number 10. Wow. Yeah. yeah. There we go. We're moving on up, dude. Moving on up in the world. So before we get into today's conversation, I think it's important that we give a little disclaimer here. So our subject today is going to be politics, oh, you God. know, for the most part. No, Adam, it, really? It has to be, man. It's oh, it's a goodness. hot topic right now. And uh, this all stemmed from Trump declaring his uh, state of emergency in regards to the border wall. Daddy Trump did some things. Daddy Trump did some things to piss people off. What else is new? So... <laughs> So, look, we're just giving a disclaimer here that we are talking about this. We are young, dumb, and full of opinions, so that's exactly what you're getting from us. Also, folks, um, we'll be approaching this a little bit differently than you would assume here. Mm -hmm. Um, For the most part, I'm going to be kind of playing the devil's advocate today. So, uh, Adam definitely has opinions uh, going into today, and I have um, a remarkable lack of of opinions. <laughs> so we decided uh, just to cover both sides of the field. Uh, I'm going to kind of pick Adam's brain and kind of approach it from the other side today. Yeah, we'll just, you know, we're going to try to not have a have a debate. It's just, you know, a discussion. But, you know, and politics is important to talk about, guys. You know, I understand that it seems like the media is just so saturated with that. But this isn't a topic we talk about every day. And well, nobody ever asks millennials how they feel. That's true. That right? is very true. They just assume. So they, we're going to tell the world how, how we feel. Exactly. And we have uh, our phones and computer here with us. So we'll try to, you know, make sure that nothing is miscited. But otherwise, just kind of take what we say with a grain of salt, grain of salt and just uh, enjoy, enjoy listening. There It'll be a go. good time. All right. So how do we kick it off here, Adam? Let's see. So Trump declared a, uh, a state of emergency this morning. State of emergency. All right. I think it was on Friday that he did oh. so. But yeah, I just I was just, I just seeing articles about it today. And the thing with so for those who may not know, there was the government shutdown that went for what like thirty some days, like over a month, like I, a month and a half. I or think something it was almost that. two months, bro. Yeah. So and the deal was that he would stop the state of emergency. But then within the like, he would or, the I'm sorry, yeah, the shutdown. But in like two or three weeks time after that, they had to come up with an, uh, a way to get him the money for the border wall. And Trump did say, if you don't give me the money, I'm going to use my presidential power to declare a state of emergency to get the money. I do remember him saying it. I don't think anyone really believed him. Uh, for the most part. They should have uh, believed him at this point. <laughs> in his presidency... He, the man does stuff like that. <laughs> he said he was going to do it. Um, he fought the good fight, I guess, for two months. Yeah. Uh, realized that that wasn't the right time for it. Mm-hmm. Gave in. Yep. Uh, looked a little silly, I think. Uh, people were a little surprised, I think, that he gave in. I know I was. Usually I, he's not much of a give-in kind of guy. You could argue on the other side, though, that Trump was being the bigger man. And 
uh, you know, ending the government shutdown because the Democrats weren't, you know. Well, it was getting rough for people, dude. You had the, like, yeah. everyone heard about the airports that were oh, starting yeah. to shut down, the TSA agents, we're which just... are like, uh, not not exactly security, but they check you as you go through customs, yeah, things like that. They're supposed to stop terrorists, but. Yeah, they were not getting paid, man. <laughs> nope. Like, people who worked for, I don't think all parts, but certain parts of the government weren't getting paychecks. Yes. And they didn't get like two of them in a row. It was was actually anybody who had a government job. And then I believe halfway through, they let certain, because like it was tax season. So they let certain government agencies like the IRS open back up. And the reason why the IRS was basically like, look, we have nothing to do with this border stuff. Yeah, we're getting funding no matter what. Yeah, exactly. So of course we had to open them back up so that the government could get their money from the people. Meanwhile, the the biggest government workers, the senators and the president and all of them were not, or were getting paid. I do think that there was a... uh about a month into it, maybe a little sooner than that, there, there were, was a group of senators, I I think mostly Republican senators, yeah. who uh, opted out of their pay. Yeah. So they weren't going to get a paycheck. That's true. I do which remember that. Which was so fine and dandy of them. Oh, yeah. You know, doesn't really oh. hurt them, but, you know, yeah. whatever. You know. But anyway, so Trump declared his, na- his state of emergency on Friday, uh, saying that, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but saying that due to all the criminals and the drug traffickers and the human traffickers that and murderers that come over to uh to us from Mexico not sp- specifically from Mexico but that's yeah. where they're entering from the, the Mexican American border yeah the, yeah are they're coming in from there is enough of an issue to be a state of emergency and apparently people who work at the border agree with well, them so they're calling it an abuse of power. Yes. Right. The they being um, Nancy Pelosi and Democrats. Chuck Schumer, so, uh, specifically in a joint statement, said it's an abuse of power. Abuse of power. Um, so he's he's kind of calling an emergency when it's not really an emergency, so mm-hmm. he can get the money for the wall. That's right. part of his uh, platform. Right? right. So they're calling it an abuse of power. They're probably going to sue him. Is what's going to happen here. Trump's even said it. So California, so on that note, California started it. So they're, they said a lawsuit with, uh, for California against Trump is intimate. And I, intimate, 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 imminent, that one. (laughs) And, uh, and I believe there are six other states that jumped on board with that, that are all going. So the seven states all together are going to join together to sue the White House, essentially. I was just reading a little before the podcast here, trying to cram some information. <laughs> um, he he actually said that he fully expects to get sued mm-hmm. um, and that he expects to lose the lawsuit in the first two levels of court. Uh-huh. So local court and then, I guess... Whatever the next one is. Federal court, <laughs> yeah. state court, whatever. So then the third level of court would be the Supreme Court, right. uh, which has like the final say. So he actually wants it to go to the Supreme Court. Well, he's at this point, he's chosen all of the – does the president choose all the Supreme Court members or is it just like as they retire and such? I think as they retire, he if you're chooses the president, the new ones. You, get, you choose Because I think he's appointed three Supreme Justices since That's he's been good. in office like seven? Right? I think so, like six or seven. But again, guys, young, dumb, and full of opinions. We're yeah, not no. quite sure, but... I think there's seven, bro. I think it's an odd number. Yeah. So there's no ties. Okay. Oh, that's true. Because yeah. once they say it, once the Supreme Court decides something, like, that, that's, that's the law of the land. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone has to follow well, that. And that's what you can argue with people saying that what he's doing is an abuse of power. It's Guys, d- 
declaring a national emergency is 100% in the law book that the president can do. Well, it's not illegal. I actually have right here is what, 1976. Uh-huh. Uh, they created the Supreme Court actually put together guidelines for uh, stipulations of power on the president when he declares states of emergency. Okay. Meaning um, there is a rule book for it. Uh, you can't just be super willy-nilly. So Trump is claiming that he followed those rules. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to end up being two levels of court who will probably say he did not. And then the third level, the Supreme Court, will have to decide if he followed the rules stated in 1976. Right. Or if he broke those rules. Right. Or if we need to change those rules. Maybe yeah. it's it's been, well, gosh, what is that, 40 years? Yeah. Maybe it's time to change the rules a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. But I do think I was reading that this is the first time since those rules have been put in place that a president is getting backfire for a state of emergency. Normally, when the president declares state of emergency, which has happened 46 times in our history, I believe I read. I was actually just going to ask you, what are what are other state of emergencies that have been called? Do you, I mean, I'm I sure like exactly. I believe that the last one was probably uh, Hurricane Katrina. I think that was a state of emergency because it was oh, so bad. Means like I that. think part okay. of that is that it's so they can apply the National Guard to, right. to it so that they can help to clean up the damage and stuff. But like something like Hurricane Katrina, though, I feel when a state of emergency was announced, that was something it was no matter what side of the fence you were sitting on, like everybody was oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's a state this, of emergency. This is the first time since 1976 that it's had to go to that he expects to get a lawsuit over it. I see. So what was the last time there was like such a gray area about a state of emergency? Oh, I believe, I think that they put it together. I think it was Truman I was reading. President Truman uh, had some issues with something. I don't know what his state of emergency was, but I think that that was the president that they, that was in power at the time that they made those new rules. Oh, gotcha. He did something that I was like, ah, I have no it's a idea. Shady Truman. Let me know if you know. Yeah, yeah. Less so with the comments. So, <laughs> so it's not against the law, as far as we know, for him to do this. Yeah, ex- exactly. And and we've we've talked about this before. And basically, if if the president says something as an emergency, or the president says something as a law, for you know, for the most part, it's okay. Well, that's. Well, did that's you know true now. <laughs> that's actually so true that it goes deeper? Um, so a president cannot be charged for like treason, for like right. giving away like national security right. secrets. Because as soon as the words pass the lips of the president, as soon as he speaks them, mm-hmm. it's declassified. Right. Like just the act of him saying it declassifies it. Right. So he cannot give away classified information. It's impossible. Interesting. It's really interesting, actually. Yeah. Uh, the president makes doesn't you go to jail. Yeah, it makes you wonder how much shit, though, is kept from the, our presidents because of that fact right there. Well, I think the hard part is that y- you can't. You have to tell the president everything. Uh, but you don't think that there's stuff that goes deep into the government where there's some groups that are like, uh, really? You no, think the president really knows everything? I think that the president is literally that serious. The chair of the president is that serious. You're the leader of the world. Right. right. I mean, you're the leader of America, but really, you're the leader of the world. Right. So, yeah, that guy knows everything. That's why everyone was so afraid when Trump got elected. Because he thought he was just going to... He was going to give away all the secrets, not know how to conduct himself. Right. So far, I... I don't know, he's done all right, I guess. I mean, he hasn't yeah, told not. us anything that's like, you we're know. We're still America. Yeah, right? yeah we're exactly. Doing okay. We're doing fine. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's why everyone was so afraid. They have like the Situation Room, right? Is a real thing. So mm-hmm. like, during the time when we were fighting in Iraq real hard, <coughs> if the shit goes down, if like a helicopter falls out of the sky, right. right, and there's like three Navy SEALs that are fucking trapped behind enemy lines, they wake the president up for that. Right. They'll be like, Mr. President, this is going on. Would here's three different things we can do. Pick one. Right. So the president doesn't come up with the ideas, but he totally chooses. Totally chooses which idea we're gonna follow. Yeah. Um. And sometimes that gets him a little bit of, you know, negative feedback. Yeah. Well, these days it just depends what side of the fence that president sits on. Mm, literally. But <laughs> yeah, literally. So it's interesting, actually, this border wall thing. Um. Me and Adam, the millennials here, we live in Arizona. Yeah. Um. And we're not as as southern Arizona as you can get. I mean, we're pretty. But we're pretty. We're about right in the we're middle. Pretty southern. About in I the mean, middle. It's, it's maybe two and a half hour drive to the Mexican border. Well, right? and I grew up actually. My hometown uh, is is a city called Tucson, yeah. Arizona, which is basically the largest city closest to the border. The border. Yeah. Um, so we have a little bit of insight on what it's like to live around these parts. Yeah. And. Um, you know, Adam, have you ever had any cases or instances in your life where someone deemed as an illegal immigrant has mm-hmm. wronged you or hurt you in any way? No, I've I've never been in a position where that was a quick no. Yeah, well, I just it never it's it never just, happened. It's just literally yeah. never happened. But I will say that growing up, things that did bother me was I did go to school with some. Uh, people who were I don't want to call them Mexican because we do get a lot of illegal immigrants from like Latin America also. Right. That, you know, come up through Mexico. But you know, these uh I'd have friends who are like Latina or Hispanic who were illegal. They specifically weren't, but their parents came over here with them, right? I also have had friends in that case, yes. And I've had and it's really angered me sometimes because I've had some of them literally like talk trash about America and be like, I wish I didn't I had one girl in a photography class I took once who was telling me like she she wishes she didn't live here or like come here, you know. Was it because and America had wronged her or her family? I didn't way? really get specifics, but right. she did mention that it wasn't her choice to come over here, it was her parents' choice. Right. And like and that and like when I hear things like that, that irks me. Cause I'm just like because first of all, my immediate response is like, well then, you know, you'll have the chance to go back then. You know, you will be 18 soon enough and you can go back then. Right. And two, it's like, don't you think your parents, you know, only had not only their, but your best interest at heart were coming over here? Do you really think they'd go through that? I, I think a lot of them, I think most of the cases are because of children. Yeah. Um. Not not to say it's the children's fault or anything, no, no, but no. it's because the parents want the children to have a better life yeah. than they did, which is totally, in my opinion, justified. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Every single person in their right mind who has kids wants their kid to have a better life than they did. Exactly. And you know what? And I have also met a lot of uh, – I've, I've had a lot of friends who are Mexican whose families were illegal immigrants, and they were great people. They It wasn't like they were trying to hold – I mean, they held on to their culture, but for the most part, they were you know assimilated to America – and like in a lot of the times too, the only reason why, from my experiences, the only reason why they were even here illegal is because they were here on a visa, the visa expired and they just never left. Right. And I've even actually had friends where their parents would have to get separated because 
there would, you know, there would be a dad whose visa, you know, got expired and he had to go back to Mexico. Meanwhile, the mother stays here with the kid and they do that. And that's pretty heartbreaking to see a friend so, go through. I actually had a close friend in middle school um, <coughs> and her, her mother was found to be here um, illegally mm-hmm. and actually got, got in trouble. They came to their house and arrested the mom. And they actually sent her mom back to Latin America. I don't think they were from Mexico. I think they were from um, more South America. Right. But they they actually deported her back to the country that they came from. And um, the dad got to stay, but the dad ended up leaving, Mm -hmm. um, running away because he didn't have his wife anymore and he didn't want to raise my friend by himself. Right. So my friend ended up losing both of her parents Uh. over it. Uh, and went and li- lived with an aunt who, you know, was was good to her and whatnot. But it's interesting because before this happened, she was very um, outgoing, mm-hmm. very bubbly, a, a Disney person. You right. know, everything's happy, go lucky, regular kid. We're in middle school, you right. know. And after this happened, the next year we came back, she was very dark. She was very... Um, Wearing a lot of like black makeup, mm. what got very into the um, the emo, the emo scene, scene kind of scene, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean that could just be teenage angst. Sure, like maybe she would have got there either way. Right. I'm not blaming anyone, but it's interesting that right after something like that out of her power happened, right. it literally changed her character. Oh, yeah. She became like a different person after that. I mean, hell, divorces fuck kids up. You know, I can't imagine when it's against the parents' will. You well, know, and then how do up. you expect that child to grow up and right. be a functioning member mm-hmm. of the society that ruined her life? Right. In her brain, whether it's right or wrong, in her brain, you got to think that she blames America for mm-hmm. ruining her family. Yeah. Because they came to her house, they knocked on her door, and they took her mom away. Right. Right? You're you're a kid, man. You're 12. You're not thinking about politics. You're not thinking about laws. You love your mom, and there are these people in suits taking her away. And I... And... You're going to grow up to be <clears throat> fucked up. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I, I definitely understand how something like that, and just as you said, somebody who's young and doesn't really understand politics or what's really happening, you know, you, all you yeah. see is what's happening in front of you, and you can only right. make inferences from that. But at the same time, I feel like there comes this point when... Because, I mean, obviously you and I, it doesn't sound like we've had really any bad experiences with anybody who's been illegal. I haven't. No one's you know? ever, I've never been robbed on the street I mean, or no. attacked. I'm, or And nor have I. Uh, but at the same time, if you're going to come into a, even, even us, if we were to go just, you know, put up tent in a, a country of our choosing, even if that country was predominantly a white like us. If we us, went to France, it was like, hey, we're just going to live right, here now. Right. You, you have to know that you're going in there with the risk that at some point this can happen. And I think know? that for all these cases, the risk literally, the reward outweighs the risk. Well, it has Even if to. they get two years in America, it's the greatest two years of their life. Well, exactly. And that's we don't why understand people what it. it is. To live with nothing. No. I mean, poor people here are rich people anywhere else, dude. Right. It's incredible. Well, having said all of this, how how do you uh, specifically feel then 
about uh, and I know you're you're going to pay devil's advocate through this, but sure, but sure. just genuine. How does Matthew feel about the border wall and all that? Okay, so uh, Matthew has changed a lot in the last year. Okay, so about a year ago, um, I was very much on the side of we should not build walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sh- not necessarily we should build bridges. I wasn't quite like that high in the sky. Okay. Right. But I was like, walls are so medieval. Uh-huh. You know, like what what is a wall really going to keep out? Come on now. Like mm-hmm. we're not throwing rocks at each other anymore. Right. right. And then one day I was in the backyard and I was smoking a cigarette and I was looking around for things to take a picture of for Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I started to notice all these walls around me in the backyard that the backyard is literally surrounded by walls Mm -hmm. and then i got to thinking holy shit every single house that you can think of has a wall around their backyard Mm -hmm. to separate them from their neighbor and usually they put up a wall in their front yard too they'll put a fence up or something in their front yard yeah right and maybe it's not to keep your neighbor out maybe it's to keep pests out animals bugs maybe you have a small tree that needs shade from the weather right whatever it is um, and in that moment, it just made me think walls are very much a part of our human psyche. Yes. We, we use walls to mark barriers mm-hmm. because you can't just paint a line on the ground. No one is going to listen to that. No one is going to walk right over it. Right. You literally build a structure and it just marks the edge of your territory. Mm-hmm. And Every single time they build that structure, they have a thing called a gate that's in there. Usually there's a lot of them. And it lets people pass from one side of the wall to the other side of the wall. Right. Right? So if you want those people to come in, they can come right on in. Mm -hmm. If you want to leave, you can open it up and leave. Right. So it's not like this permanent barrier that is there's there's going to be gates in the wall right you know what i mean it's going to be ways so, it's almost more symbolic than it is actually it's a hundred percent symbolic yeah. it does nothing to actually protect or say you could run a tank through it in in five seconds it'd be easy right you know what i mean but what it does is it it builds up this state of mind of we are prideful of our side of mm-hmm. the wall you're prideful of your side of the wall Let's make our sides better so that we enjoy being on them. Right. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Just noticing it in the backyard totally changed my my philosophy on mm-hmm. the border wall. Well, and it always goes back to the biggest argument I've heard uh, people who are for the border wall make to people who are against it is, and I'm sure you've heard this argument too, of, well, just let a stranger into your house. You know, it's like I, the stranger it, could be super nice, super kind, hardworking, but stranger may not also be those things too. The thing so. is, you don't know, you don't know who they are, mm-hmm. and it's not our fault. Our brain is programmed to fear things we don't understand, right? Or to be cautious of things that we don't understand, right? Because if you fuck up once and die, you're done. You only get one shot. Right. So your brain has to be as careful as it can be to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. Right? Do you think – I just had a little idea. Because if we build a wall, Uh it works for our side, but it also works for their side too, right? Mexico gets a wall as well, Uh a free one actually because if we pay for it, then they still get the benefits of of the structure. Right. Do you think that – having no idea having never gone to mexico or met any of the 
native people, do you think that they would appreciate having a, a secure structure at at the edge of their territory? I mean, I mean, my my first instance is to answer no, simply because there's obviously not a problem of Americans escaping America to go to Mexico. I mean, right. hell, even when Trump was elected, you had so many actors, actors who are from Mexico, you know, or, right. you know, have a second home there or whatever it is, say that they're going to go back and move to Mexico. And I think George Lopez is the only one who actually followed through with that, <laughs> with that. Uh, well, it's kind of our beach, right? We, we go there and we party and we have fun. Yeah, and come absolutely. Back. So it's just what's done. And as far as what the people in Mexico think, I think so. First of all, I think most of the immigrants are not from Mexico. They're, I believe, they're mostly from Central America, and I believe it just comes to who you ask. You know, if you if you ask a you know a middle class you know Mexican family that lives in suburbia and stuff, they they probably may not have much of an opinion on it. Whereas like somebody who lives in nothing and just dreams about going to America just sees it as a harder way for them to get there now. And I mean, and I, and I'm assuming that's really just the gray areas because I mean, maybe we just need to redo the immigration process of how easy it is to get into the country or how hard it might be to get into the country. But at the same time, I've had, uh, I've known people now specifically not, these aren't Mexican or Hispanic people. These, but I have known people from England or Europe, or I knew somebody from Greenland once uh, who were trying to come over to America and going through okay. that immigration process. So, so white people. Ang- yeah. Anglo American. White, white right? people. White yeah. People. White people. Okay. And so, so I don't know if that plays part in it. That's just no, anybody I'm just, I've just known. Just an observation. Yeah. Just yeah an that's observation. just everybody I've known and uh, who were going through this process. And the, the thing is, they were over here. They were they're living here. They were reaping the benefits of America and not being a citizen, but they were going through the process. So and when you're going from my understanding, when you're going through the process, you're given this visa mm-hmm. so that you can work here and live here. My mom and then, went through it. Yeah. My exactly. mom literally immigrated here when she was eighteen. She lived in France. Uh she still has citizenship in France. Mm-hmm. She's a dual citizen. Um and actually I brought it up a little bit on one of the first podcasts, uh-huh. and she listened to it, and she had to call me to correct me. Um, I think I'd said that it took her about a year to uh-huh. do it. I was wrong. It took her almost five years. Okay. Um, so, but she was able to live here. Though, she was able that, to live right? here and work here. She had. Um, she used the word green card because she's old school. I think now it's called a work visa or something yeah, like some that. Shit. Back in the day, it was literally a card that and the green. background was green. <laughs> yeah. And that's just what people called it. it was the green. I don't know if that's a intolerant term now or not. <laughs> um, but yeah, she had one of those. So uh-huh. she was able to work here. She was able, she had children. Um, obviously me and my sister are both American citizens. Right. Because if you're born on the soil, regardless of where your parent came from, you're a citizen. Right. All you got to do is make it here. Um, but it wasn't like that. She wasn't like trying to get us smuggled in, like have her kids in America. Right. She was here for years, got pregnant, and then had us. Right. But that's my point, though. So if the, if these people who are trying to get legal status here are able to be here, live here, reap the benefits of America while they're going through that process, and then become a citizen and basically just continue on their life the way that yeah. they were. Productive member know? of society. She yeah. worked for schools. Uh, she worked for the local school system. Right. Educated kids. So with yeah. all that being said, why 
why this coming over illegally? Is it just a, is it just a money thing? I'm assuming it's not a cheap process. Is that why people just constantly come over here illegally? Is it just the money thing? I I think it has to do with. I mean, think about the countries we're talking about here. My right. mom came from France. Mm-hmm. We're talking about immigrants coming from Latin America. Right. Um, there's a big difference in the poverty levels right. from Western Europe and South America. Right. Also, there's a very, very large ocean between Western Europe and the United States. Right. Where there is a land bridge that is Mexico between South America and North America. Right. So it's the difference of having to fly or swim or get on a ship and the difference of just having to walk. Touche. Uh, it's a lot easier to walk somewhere. Yeah, too, I, did, what, I didn't think about that. But Now, where right. Europe has issues, I do believe, is from places <laughs> who have seen a lot of trauma due to the wars in the Middle East. Yeah. Um, like Syria, for example. A lot of Syrian refugees in the last few years got up and just started walking towards Germany. And a lot of the, Germany just walking around with open arms, didn't well, they? Well, the first like 10,000 of them. Oh, um, but there was like a million people right. who walked. So, yeah, the first like 10,000, they opened our arms and let them in. And what did they do immediately after that? They put up gates. Mm-hmm. They put up fences. They put up gates. And every country between Syria and Germany, right. Macedonia, Turkey, all that, they put up gates. And they put up security guards. Because you can't let one million of anything move around without keeping an eye on it. Yeah. You can't have a million bats fly through the sky and not go, mm, what's going on with those? Right. That's a lot of something in one area. Right. So humans are the same way. I mean, a million people, that's the size of the armies they used in World War II it's to attack of, each other. It's the size of some cities. The, and the Battle of the Bulge, you're talking about a million people on each side. It, that It's a huge amount of people. Right. And they're just walking at them. So you got to think, these people got to eat, these people got to shit. Mm-hmm. Where are they pooping? Yeah. Where are they throwing their trash? Where are they, they're fucking on the way, they're getting pregnant, they're mm-hmm. having babies. They're, who's taking care of these people? If a hundred of them die in one day in your country, are you responsible for that? Well, and that's what I think people don't understand about the immigration problems happening here is that, I mean, now don't get me wrong, we don't have a million people walking. Right. You know, but... That, that was exaggerated. Right, right, yeah, right. No, yeah. no, no. no. I, I but know. there's a lot. But there but there is a lot. And when they come in here, when they have babies and when they need housing and need to get on welfare, you know, that and th- that's why I think bothers most that? of the people. It's like, whereas I'm working hard for my money, you're giving people welfare. And I know that people can use the argument of like, well, they're not given a lot. Or da, da. It's like, look, I used to work at Walmart and I used to help help little Mexican ladies who couldn't even speak English who would be with five of their kids and they'd have WIC that they'd be paying with food cars and WIC and then I'd help them take their stuff out to their car and they're driving like a Mercedes or an Audi or like just some really nice car and it's like, well, how are you getting that if you're using WIC and food I mean, stamps? And- if you're getting $500 a month in aid, Mm-hmm. Okay, which is a very small number. How could you possibly live on $500? Right. Well, think of it this way. I have a minimum wage job. Right. Okay, I make minimum wage. If I work 40 hours a week, roughly, give or take a little bit here and there, you're making about $1,000 a month right. that you actually see in your hand to pay your bills with. Mm-hmm. So it's the mindset of 
people don't think about 500 is so little, it's hardly anything. They think of, that's half of what I make, and I work 160 hours a month to get that. Right, it's a glass half empty, half full kind Half of full thing, thing. Yeah. so it's hard to put yourself in, in these people's situations when A, you've never been anywhere close to that position. Right. So you have no idea what it feels like, and B, you feel that you've built up a good life for mm -hmm. yourself, and if you can do it, other people should be able to do it too. Well, and what people don't understand is when you have people like you or I who have never really been affected by any illegal immigrant, right? right. You know, negatively at least. And so obviously we're going to have views that are a little more moderate about it because it's, it's just nothing that's really been oh, a problem Oh, if I would have been mugged, if life. me and my mom would have got mugged on the side of the street mm -hmm. when I was six years old, right. I probably would have grew up to have a much different opinion on border security. And that's just it. I just saw a video uh, yesterday actually where there was this mother that was in front of her own city capital, whatever city she was in, and they were basically... I don't know if you would call it a protest, but they were basically saying, like, we want the wall, right? Right, Give it was a statement. Wall. They were it was a statement. statement. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. And she was reading this poem that, you know, it was like something her son liked or whatnot because her son was killed by an illegal immigrant okay, from Mexico. Okay, so she had a very passionate view on exactly. it. Exactly. Okay. And as she's reading that, you had anti-Trumpers who were walking by and just yelling, fuck Trump, fuck you, fuck da da, while this woman is like crying reading this poem for her dead son. And that's what we're missing. It's it's this understanding that like, look, of, of course you you may feel differently about it if like if all of your friends are illegal immigrants and they're all great people but to this young mother here who had a son that it was a good kid and changed then, her life and then dude. died because an illegal immigrant mm -hmm. came over and killed him like you have to understand where those people are coming from also and the people yelling fuck trump fuck trump they are so proud of themselves because they're practicing their American right, right of free speech. And it's a very, it's a naughty free speech, right? Because you're yeah. really pushing the lines. You're saying, fuck the, the you're, leader. You're, po Ooh. you're poking somebody. Right, yeah. so you're really making a statement. But what they're missing is that woman reading the poem out loud has just as much of a right to express her views and her right. opinions. And she is only practicing her free speech as well. Mm -hmm. So by tearing down her free speech, you're not giving any more credibility to your own. Right, exactly. You're, you're tearing down your own free speech as well. And that's why, and I, I think that's what's happening right now with the Democratic Party is because, because usually the term social justice war is associated with the far left. I do. I think of and blue. I think of the Democrat. Mm -hmm. Now that may not be at all what it, is or was meant to be, mm -hmm. but that's what people think. Oh, people absolutely. my age—that's what we think. Yeah, absolutely. And it kills me because, just as you said, it's you know, it's everybody exercising their right to free speech, but at the same time, that's these same people who are you know yelling "fuck Trump" and practicing their free speech, who are then telling other people you can't say those things about those kind of people or you can't do this, and they're <laughs> trying to censor people is essentially what they're doing. Well, and that's a slippery slope. That's um, one other thing I did want to touch on is. You know, we were saying that we've never been affected by any kind of illegal immigrant crime. Right. Okay. And I did just want to touch on that. I grew up in Tucson. Uh -huh. Okay. And while I was rather privileged, 
Okay, my parents both were middle class. They both worked. So we had we had more money than probably 60% of the people who lived in Tucson. We, okay. we were in the, the upper 40% of Tucson. Okay. So the areas of town that I lived in were predominantly white. Uh-huh. Okay. But I mean, it was cut to the chase there. They were predominantly white and they were predominantly higher income. Okay. So I feel that probably played a big role in why I never encountered any kind of crime growing up, right. whether it be illegal immigrant or not. I just didn't encounter a lot of crime, period. Right. Now, I do know from growing up there and going to high school in Tucson and going out with friends, there are parts of Tucson that you just don't go to unless mm-hmm. you were born there. Um, for instance, there's a place called actually uh, Hollywood Boulevard in Tucson. Oh, really? There really is. <laughs> um, you don't go to Hollywood unless you were born there because gotcha. you just don't. It's just known. There are people who live there and run that place, and they don't like people from the outside. Gotcha. There are a few places in Tucson, like Midvale Park, things like that, where even the police don't really venture to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of known that certain things happen in those areas, and as long as they stay in those areas, it's okay. Gotcha. We just don't want it to go anywhere else in the town. So it may be a little bit unfair for someone with my point of view mm-hmm. to argue that illegal immigration or crime in general doesn't really happen to a lot of people. I, I definitely understand that way of thinking, but I I argued the other side of saying it's it's completely fair because you can't that that's the issue. It's like you can't say, hey, you know, like in in terms of like illegal immigration, it's like you can't say, oh, these group of people can't vote on the issue or have no say in the issue because they're not from there or they're not a part of it or they didn't experience that is true, it. Huh? Everyone gets the same yeah. say here. What we what we have to be able to do is instead of just yelling "fuck you" to each other, as at least try to get people to understand each other's side. One issue I think our generation really struggles with, just because of growing up with social media and technology is nobody knows how to talk to anybody anymore. Absolutely what, what, not. Yeah, I what, agree. Mm-hmm. What happens when you talk to somebody now, and I, I venture anybody out here, when you're having a conversation with somebody in person who might be a little younger, like pay attention to this. Most people are not having a conversation while the other person is talking. They're automatically thinking, how am I going to respond to this? And they don't even listen to and what the person And they don't even listen to what the person is saying. Mm-hmm. And there were even times I've noticed me doing this. And when I heard that particular statement about how people do this a lot, I really made an effort to sit down and listen to people and then respond to whatever it is they say. And trust me, guys, you will have much more meaningful conversations from doing that. But I think it's just become this habit of people just thinking about how they're going to respond because that's what happens with text messaging, right? You get a text message, you get five minutes or however long you need to take to think about your response. And you can write an essay, delete some of it, write a new part of it. But make that person talk to Mm -hmm. someone face to face. You have to say more of what you really believe. Right. Because it's got to roll quickly. So we've taken those habits and we've applied it to real conversation. And that's why you have such this pushback right now with social justice warriors who are usually more millennial and Generation Z years compared to the older generations, the baby boomers, and even some a lot of the Gen Xers, I would argue, 
because there's oh, yeah. just a different age of how to have a conversation. Whereas we're just like, you know, fuck you. Like, this is wrong. How dare you? It gets defensive right away. I mean, you said it yourself at one point. A lot of people lead their arguments with or their decisions with emotion instead of logic and fact anymore. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we're losing touch with logic and fact. So yes. all we have left is emotion. Well, it's that's the argument, isn't it? We're argu- I mean, we're at this point, we're arguing over definitions of words anymore it's right it's you can't say that because it doesn't mean this well it, it meant that five years ago like <laughs> like what the hell are we doing but so with all that being said um you know the next presidential elections are coming up right around the corner here yeah we're only about a, a what about a year away from it well yeah we'll be talking <laughs> a lot about it <laughs> when it gets well, closer i'm sure with all these things in mind i mean what gosh, it's hard to say it now so far out, but what, what are you looking for in the next president? What would you like to see done a little bit differently? Assuming it's even the same guy, what would you like to just see happen? I would like to see somebody... I would like a president who's progressive, but aware of what's happening in the world. And I don't think you have that right now. So... Um, there's actually a particular presidential candidate that I've been following a little bit, and it's super early in the game, so these these opinions about this man could definitely change later down the road. Right, right. But there's this gentleman named, I believe his name is Andrew Yang, and he's announced his uh, nomination for the 2020 presidential elections, and I believe he's running on the Democratic side. Okay. But he's running on the platform of universal basic income. And for those out there who don't know what that is, that basically just means that anybody over the age of 18 can opt in to get a certain amount of money every month just from the government. Here you go. Oh, um, okay. So like universal welfare. Yeah, exactly. Kind of thing. So now there have been other people who have argued this point before. They're usually deemed socialist, this, that, and the other thing, which it is. It is kind of a socialist move. But when he was explaining his reasoning behind it, I was – it drew me in more because he sounded like somebody who just understood like, like it's not, it's not about moving in a socialist direction. It's about looking at the change of what's happening in our society and adjusting what we need to adjust for it. So his Hmm. reasoning for it was he was talking about how 50% of Americans work in either the retail establishment, uh, they work in, which uh, is generally lower wage right now, lower wage right now. Uh, they usually work in, I, I can't customer remember what, service. customer service, specifically things like call centers is what he was talking about. So any, Oh, like telecommunications, telecommunications. There you go. So telecommunications and transportation. So bus drivers, truckers being the biggest percentage that of that actually makes total area. sense. I so, can agree with that. But he, so he was talking about how 50% of Americans work in those sectors, half of us, half of us. Wow. And those are all those are all going to be the jobs are going to be automated by 2030. Oh, well, absolutely. I can totally agree. With absolutely. That. So yeah. half of us are in for a little bit of trouble. Exactly. To figure something out. Exactly. So he was so he was talking about within those because of those kind of changes happening. And there was more he talked about, too. But those are some of the biggest things he touched on to where having something like a universal basic income for people. He was using the example of a thousand dollars. Right. And he goes, goes. And what people don't understand is a thousand dollars isn't enough for somebody to live off of. He goes, but what it acts is as a cushion. 
And he was also talking about to where now if you're getting government welfare and let's say that you're getting $700 from the government and welfare every month, you wouldn't get $1,000 on top of that. You'd get $300 until it to got get up you to, to 1000 Yeah. So he was talking about going through that process. And then he was talking about, well, Alaska does it. They use their they use what they tax for fuel because they have the pipelines through there. Right. And they give that money back to the people. And they've been doing that for 37 years. He goes, once all these jobs start become automated, he goes, that's what you tax. And that's what you use to give back to the people like Alaska did it with their fuel. Well, even companies do it. If you invest in a mm-hmm. company... Uh, if you buy stock, you. a lot of them have a thing called dividends, mm-hmm. and that is just for owning a piece of the company, owning mm-hmm. a stock. They give you money for that. Yeah. They pay you based exactly. on – and if they make a lot of money that year, so the mm-hmm. dividends will be more. Yeah. If they lose money, sometimes they don't pay a dividend at all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, America kicks ass though. As if we were a company, not a country, we're like the richest company in the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we could probably pay some dividends and be okay. But to go back to your question in regards to like what I'd like to see from a president, it's I've really liked what I've seen from him specifically, just because it's, yeah, you're giving these policies that some people might, you know, at first glance look at it as like, oh, this is a socialist thing. This isn't going to be good. It's a slippery slope. But it's met by I understand what's happening in the world. Other people need to be aware of this and we need to adjust. Otherwise, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. You know who I want? Who? I don't know what their name is, but I know they exist out there. I want the best chess player in America. Really? Whoever is our master chess player who, like, kicks everyone's ass in America, I want that guy to be the president. I would want— Because I want a president who thinks, like, seven moves ahead. I think that would be a good candidate for— Who's the— God, I can't think of this role right now. The guy that General Mattis has this role right now in Trump's cabinet. The guy who's like ahead of the military part of it. Like I know Trump is technically ahead of the military. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm trying to think of it. But anyways, but that position is somebody somebody who has to do a lot with running the military. I would want like a, a chess player. I think, honestly, I really like. No, I won't. No. Well, the well, it, I mean, with that being said, the president is the commander in chief. Right. He is in charge. Oh, of the I military. guess yeah, that's true. But I would actually like to see. I actually like the fact of having a businessman as president. I don't think maybe Trump was maybe the best choice as far as businessmen are concerned. But Howard Schultz. But mm, I don't like Howard Schultz. Businessman. You don't like sure. Howard Schultz, or you don't like Starbucks. I don't like his politics. So, like, I, for example, I don't like the way that he handled that situation where there are the two young black men who were kicked out for loitering and he decided to do a company-wide, like, racist... Uh, yeah, it's a company uh, policy, though. It wouldn't be an actual American policy. Uh, well, I don't, I don't know. I was... He had to save face for his company. Yeah, but I would, I would worry that he would be, like, People like a lot on the Democratic side who would give in to those social justice warrior values to stay ahead of the game in his own party. Because he would probably. I think he'd be super clean energy. I think that would be like he would dream about clean energy every night. And I would love those things too. But unfortunately, as much as I wish those were the hot topics right now, the hot topics is social politics and identity politics. And that's what we need somebody to kind of go in there and diffuse right now. And I don't think that's somebody who would diffuse it. I feel like he would just add fire to it. And I think that's dangerous with the current. Well, they have a climate. saying called "fight fire with fire." Yeah, that's true. I mean, who knows? We might we might get surprised, but uh, but no, I 
I just think that we need somebody in there. So like when I was telling, I was talking about a businessman, this particular guy, Andrew Yang, is an entrepreneur. Oh, so for cool. like the past like 27 years, he's just like he's done this. He's raised money for this and this and this and this. So I don't know. I, I think having a businessman is really important to have in there. And regardless of what people think of Trump, he is a businessman that has made billions upon billions on his businesses. And of course, some of it's shady. Businessmen are always going to be a little shady. But is that okay money. to just accept, though? Like, because no, I, mean, I question. agree with you, and yeah. I think most people agree. With you. Oh, business is just a little shady, right? Uh, isn't that an issue just well, right there? It's an issue between uh, George I, Washington was a businessman. Yeah, he plantations. It's 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 definitely it's definitely a gray area because you also have to then look at it of like. Because there are some shady business deals that are made, but it's not against the law. So then you have to ask yourself, what's more important? Is it more important to live by moral values and dictate your decisions off of that when you're in a when you're in a position like a on you know like the CEO of a business or president of the United States, or do you have to lead and just make sure? Well, as long as it's in the power of the law. Well, I would say that you're you're the one who has to sleep at night. So yeah. whatever you're okay with, I guess. That's how far you can take yeah. it, right? I mean, I personally, I mean, like this particular company, I you know want to run off of you know moral value. Obviously, stay within the law too, but you know, live. You just you know, change the law. That's still, the beauty of the law. Yeah, exactly. If you're outside of it, you just change it. But you just run it as. Uh, as That's why morals correct. are so important, in my opinion. Yes. It's because laws come and go and change, and they ebb and flow with time. Yes. Morals, you come out of the womb with those. You ask a kindergartner, is it okay to do X, Y, Z? And they'll go, yes or no. Right. Because you just know inside what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, and that's what really bothers me about today's political climate. And going back to, like, the mother who's reading this poem and had people walking by, you know, yelling, fuck Trump on the top of their lungs while she's reading this poem for her kid. Right. You know, her dead kid. Yeah. And it's like... People have have now grayed that area of like, well, it's within the law for me to do so. Yeah, but it makes you an asshole, and that's yeah, not okay. Yeah, but morally, it's fucking wrong. Yeah, and I guess that it it's such a double edged sword because it's a beautiful thing to have that choice. Yes, I I would hate to not have that choice. That's freedom, right? Yes. Is is being able to make choices. And I mean, so many people have died for that, blah, blah, blah. It's we all know the story. Freedom yeah. is not free, and we're all super thankful for it. Right. But you should practice some humility too. Yes. Right? Exactly. Humility, compassion, kindness. Aren't we still humans? Exactly. And you can't just – just the amount of people that get offended over the kind of stuff that they get offended about anymore also. You know, like things like gender-specific pronouns and stuff like that too, right? It's just – I don't know. How do you feel about like the eye for an eye concept? Like do you think that – those people who yell, fuck you or fuck Trump to the lady while mm-hmm. she's reading her poem. Do you think that she should be entitled to like smack them in the face or throw a rock at them or be like, here's how I feel. Now you feel it too. No, for the most, for the most part, I believe you should always kill them with kindness. I, I do believe there is a time and a place for violence and anger and those types of feelings and actions. But is but, an eye for an eye just? Is that justice? 
I mean, I guess at a very base level, yes. It makes you feel better, doesn't it? I mean, I will. Some would argue that it doesn't. You know, that you there are stories all the time of people seeking revenge, get that revenge, and then just feel horrible after it. It's just you know not what they think, right? But no, I I am a big advocate of kill them with kindness. I do believe that you have to lead by example. And if you lead saying like, oh, it's okay to just hit somebody when they do this. And that's just what everybody's going to do. And that is in progression. That is that's going back to the caveman days because that is how we used to solve things. Well, that was the first code of law. That, that was, was the that first was Hammurabi. Code of law. Absolutely. Carved him on a on a column or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally like the first time mankind developed laws. That's yeah. what they were. They yeah. were if you wrong me, I get to wrong you equally. And there are still some countries that practice those kind of beliefs. Do they have less crime? I actually think they have more crime. Because it's, oh, yeah. I think the Middle East is a place that they still strongly believe in that kind of stuff. I think an eye for an eye would work, assuming that all criminals were only doing crimes for fun and pleasure. Yes. So if they just got a kick out of being criminals, then an eye for an eye works. Right. But if you're taking someone who stole bread because they're starving, and you try and tell them, I'm going to cut your fingers off because you, you still have bread, mm-hmm. now you've just taken my bad situation that got me to make this choice, mm-hmm. and you've now put me backwards even more. Well, now I'm in a worse position, and you're going to expect me not to steal again. Mm-hmm. Now I'm hungry, and I only have one hand. Well, and not only that, like, le- so let me do this hypothetical here. I saw th- So I saw this video once where the eye for an eye thing was put into action, right, with a child. <laughs> oh, nice. And it poked it, his eye out? Well, it was it was similar to what you said. So this kid like stole bread or some food right. from somewhere or something like that. So their way of punishing the kid was they put down this towel on the ground and he put his arm on the towel and then somebody slowly drove a car over his arm to break his arm. Ow. Yeah. That's a fucked up way to do it. That was the punishment. So, but now here we go. Here's what this issue causes. So everybody looked at that point of this child stole food. We break his arm to make sure he doesn't do it again. Now, maybe the kid doesn't do it again. But then let's say later on, you know, somebody deems it some kid does something very innocent like and now that child as an adult deems, well, because he did that, it's my right to run over his arm with a car. So that's where you're getting into the gray areas is because of how people wrong each other and what's right and wrong in a lot of cases and a lot of smaller cases is opinion based. So some people right. would argue, you know, especially in today's political climate, well, he called me a bad name. So I was in my complete right to punch him in the face. Is that eye for an eye? No. But they might argue it is. No, you'd have you'd have to call him a bad name. That'd be eye for an eye. But that's exactly why, though, that I don't think eye for an eye works. And I think that's how we get to the points that we are at now is because everything's opinion based. (laughs) Now people are saying that words are just as bad as actions. You know, if I say something violent towards you but don't actually do anything violent towards you, there are those out there that would argue, well, that's violence. So now I get to retaliate using violence and hitting is another form of violence. Oh, it's the most basic form. So yeah, there, love it. So therefore, it's eye for an eye and it's equal. That's the slippery slope. Whereas if you lead by example, whereas kill them with kindness and you show people who are mean to you and you show kindness back to them – them, it, it might you might not get immediate results. Actually, I'll tell you right now, you won't. But 
those are the things that stick with people more. Those are the things that people go like, oh, wow, this guy did this to him, but he just responded like this. And I think that's how people end up like being the bigger person kind of like that's yeah, why they call it that. Exactly. Because you had the right to do something, but you chose to exactly. practice control and not do it. Because when you act out emotionally, then there comes this point of, and we've seen this happen all the time too, where somebody tells you not to do something and then you don't, and then they do it. And you're like, well, fuck you. I'm just going to do it this. Now it becomes a slippery slope. Whereas if well, you're the bigger person and you just don't do it and you conduct yourself the way that you're supposed to, people are going to follow your example, not the other person's. And it's almost like it never fails. Like, I mean, think about it. Martin Luther King, Gandhi, all anyone who practices a peaceful self-restraint, like there's no way to beat that. And the reason why people don't practice it more is because... Well, it's hard. It takes a long time. You don't see immediate exactly. satisfaction. It is the amount of time that it takes for it to pay off, but it always pays off more oh, yeah. than doing it the other way. But we live, we as humans, we like immediate satisfaction. It's, it's why we like drugs. It's why you and I smoke. It's It's... People want that dopamine rush and you can get a really nice dopamine rush by finishing something you've been working on for months or you can get it by, you know, hitting somebody in the face. Isn't it crazy? The the brain like that. Oh, we just want the, the easy way out, that, you know, just the path of least resistance is the thing. I think your brain has so yeah. many trials and, and tribulations through its lifetime that it just wants to cut as many corners as it can. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that the fact that the best things are things that you wait for and have to work hard for just goes to show that, you know, path of least resistance is just that. It's just the path of least resistance. But it's if not you want, the best path. But if you want the pot of gold, you're going to have to go down the moment with the obstacles. It's, it's you know? true. No matter how you – what situation you put that in, it works. But the difference is you're either going to get a pot of gold or you're going to get nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well 50 50 right 50 50 you know so it just oh my it just goodness. i know it just it just comes down to you know even when it's hard do your best to be kind to people do your best not to be an asshole and i've only heard of it paying off in the end it may not happen for a long time but i i've never heard of it just not paying off at all and people well, you heard who it say, here folks and people who say it doesn't, well, you didn't do it long enough. <laughs> Kindness and patience is seems to be the best answer. I, I think so, at least. <laughs> I do. Well, I'm I'm pretty surprised to say that I think that we survived the political conversation. We survived the political conversation. I didn't think it was going to happen, Adam. I was worried. I, I was like, this is our last podcast. We're ever going to make. <laughs> I was a little worried, too. I, when we were trying to think of subjects, and I was going through different news articles, and I kept seeing, I've seen, and I've seen for the past few days, Trump's border wall thing, you know, well, popping up. always something. Always and, something. Yeah. Yeah, if you guys liked this, uh, let us know, because we could do this every day. Oh, There's yeah. always something in the news. Oh, just wait until we have Justin on one of these days. Oh, God. You guys. guys will love him and his opinions on the subject of politics. But So there's a little teaser for you. But we have to keep Justin on, on a little, not a leash, but like there's a child gate up around Justin. We just, we just, we just understand what Justin means sometimes. We just 
expect other people not to quite understand sometimes. With the you'll way get a taste of it things. one day, you'll, you'll get a taste of it one day. But anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I'm excited to see what we'll talk about tomorrow. Um, again, you can follow us on all the social media platforms. We still have the GoFundMe going, www.gofundme.com forward slash Hardly Millennial. We'll also have this on SoundCloud for you to listen to. Like, comment, and subscribe. And if you made it through this, there's a video coming soon. <laughs> Just saying. We're, we're, uh, we're getting through it, guys. We're working on it. It's it's in its, will we say it's in the finishing stages? Almost. Yeah. Almost there. Final touches. The next couple days, guys. Next couple days, guys. All right. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Have a lovely day. Bye.